This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Court, we're right now. If anybody's listening to this podcast and they're looking for a new experience with a great company, Zupans is really hiring on their page, on their website at zupans.com slash careers. I'm seeing 22 positions available with prompts that say view details from bakery manager to um, to cheese production, fun stuff, cheesemonger and cheese production, floral team member, um, you know, general mer- merchandise, health and beauty manager, if someone wants to get out of the food business per se. There's a lot of jobs here, and uh, all of them indicate details and how to apply. So head over to zoopans.com and check out your next move. There you go. You got to love that. It's a, obviously a local company that's locally focused with its food and product. And, and uh, when you go into your local Zoopans, the employees there are the happiest you'll find anywhere. So why not join that team? And, you know, maybe if you're not, not in the market for a new job, but you're maybe in the market for a delicious steak. Harris Ranch Bone-In New York Steaks are on sale at your local Zoopans as we fire up the grills because summer is officially here. Uh, throw a New York steak on that grill from your local Zoopans. Yeah, and their meat department is second to none. Got to check out also their sausages to go on Oh yeah, on the grill. They have so many varieties of sausages, and you get those things just popping on that grill. And this month, their sausage of the month is, drumroll, curry chicken. Get a taste Ooh. of the June yeah. sausage of the month. Cook up something new. And it's not, by the way, they have like, 30 other varieties at least i could be wrong on that oh i know but. it get it gets very difficult when you're in there trying to make selection sometimes that we, we've been doing a lot of their sausages lately and and it's tough because there's such great variety uh chris we should also mention you know maybe it, maybe you uh enjoy grilling you can definitely grill or maybe you just want to you know not grill and let zoopans do all the heavy lifting this fourth of july they've got their fourth of july meal it's a barbecue ribs dinner for four you can pick that up at your local zoopans you can order right now through their website zoopans.com and you get all the things you want baby back ribs uh barbecue sauce baked beans potato salad got this really great uh, looking corn and tomato salad and cornbread 99 bucks feed a family of four at your local zoopans wow if you were to go out if you had four people and you were to go out to put that together you would spend more than that and then probably have leftovers that you never ate yep or that you never absolutely eat. With the, which would with, what would that be? Eat or eight? That you either way. It depends if you're looking at it before or after the equation. Right. Potato, so, potato, uh, Chris. Yeah, exactly. But so no. But you Zupans can also pick is, up at your local Zupans. Yes, it's easy. So you can enjoy your family and enjoy whatever you're doing. Go out on the beach, go to play golf, get home, and it's all right there. Just heat and serve. Very nice. Three locations to serve you. West Burnside, McAdam, Lake Oswego, and details always found where? Zupans.com. All right, here it is. Time once again, it's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It is right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus, Portland Food Adventures. And I'm co-host, sidekick, the Robin to his Batman, Court Johnson. How about that? Right. That's, I guess that's even, that's about <laughs> the same distance going back as mentioning, you know, 
Ed McMahon to Johnny Carson, and I can't. Neither of us could could uh, purport to to stand in their shoes. Sure, no, but never. I used but to I can love, say I used to I can say Johnny. yes, really yeah, easy. Yeah, I used yeah. to love Johnny. I actually watched a, a couple of clips with him the other day, and then of course I loved Letterman, and now I can't stand late night talk because it's all about the celebrities and all that bullshit so yeah it's it's been interesting to watch i mean i i uh i'm kind of right there with you you know watching uh carson and then yeah letterman and then i i'm a big conan fan and i think feel like conan's kind of where it ended where kind of he right. kind of got caught up into that weird transition and then i'm not a jay leno fan um but the, i like his car show but that's sure it. yeah right <laughs> and he, he was like the worst inter- he was the worst interviewer on that show because he he didn't really have a, a, a you know a personality uh, outside of you know his stand-up shtick and so his interview questions were so like I, I don't want well they were just fake because they were simply prompted by you know notes from a producer hey ask this question and they'll take it from there well yeah but he could he could improvise a little but i would say when it was Leno and Letterman on TV, that was hands down for me. Letterman, I couldn't even understand why oh, sure. anybody would bother with Leno when yep. there was Letterman. So, yep. but my favorite all time, as long as we're going here, was right. the Gary was the Larry Sanders show, which was sure. a parody of all that stuff. Yeah, and I think still, while I'm a big Curb Your Enthusiasm fan, I would say that if I had to go to a desert island with a portfolio of TV episodes from one show, it would be the Larry Sanders show. It makes me still laugh the hardest, even though I know the lines and I know every episode. Uh, I've seen them all many times. If, if anybody hasn't seen the Larry Sanders show, you can access it on HBO Max. Not all of the episodes, but most of them. And that guy, Larry Sanders, Gary Shandling, was a genius. And um, it was so fun to watch celebrities be at their worst on purpose right. on that show. And he was just, every character was a study in insecurity. And uh, I don't know, I enjoyed that very yeah. much. I don't know Should how we, we send a bill there. to HBO for that? Uh, yes, a little, yeah, they're, they're going to get lots of watches. <laughs> so many subscribers, yeah. Yeah, so many, yep. all yep. of a sudden. But no, I that's a that's a great, that's my favorite show. I don't know how we got there, Court, but this well, is our opportunity to go a little, you know, to just chat about what we want to chat about. Yeah, you and I are catching up a little bit because uh, as, as people who tune into the podcast regularly, and we hope that people do, found that last week I was running a little bit solo as I interviewed Eric Russ and Larry Clouser from uh, Pono Brewing, but uh, that that was because you were out on a little trip. You're you're fresh from a uh, trip to the redwoods, right? I would say to anyone who lives in the Pacific Northwest, or I said to my friends in the Bay Area, that if you haven't done the entire coast between uh, Astoria, the whole Oregon coast, the 363 miles of Oregon coast, and then down through the Redwood Forest on 101 in California, and then over to one to Mendocino, down through Stinson Beach, you are not real. You know how people always say live life to their full, its fullest? Yeah. No one's living life to their fullest in the Pacific Northwest if they haven't done that trip. It is truly truly beautiful and uh, it's worth doing i had never done it all the way to san francisco right through the uh, port reyes seashore 
there and um i'll just say or point point reyes seashore it was spectacular i went to visit my cousin who opened his new restaurant in san francisco called coal valley tavern and i wanted to go see his daughter's angeles girls there aren't many of them that i know of and so uh, i hadn't seen them in a long time so it was great to go down and visit talk about neighborhood restaurants the coal valley tavern that he just opened is just an incredible neighborhood place as a matter of fact i could not really finish a conversation with he or his wife or his kids because and either in the restaurant or outside the restaurant somebody would come over and say hey jimmy or hey burgess Everybody knows everybody there, and it was uh, it was interesting, and the food was great, too. So it was nice to go down and have a nice leisurely trip. This time it was just me and my doggy, Kodak, and I haven't traveled alone with a doggy in five years. So um, it was nice. It was beautiful. And Very nice. Had- and in fact, you touched on something I was going to ask you about. So, like I, you know, like, like you mentioned, I, I've done little short segments of the Oregon coast. So this was your first time really doing the coast all the way down, down to, to San Francisco in one fell swoop. Right. I had done it to Mendocino before, and then I've done it a few times to the Redwood Forest. But this was the first time I said I'm going all the way. And I would say you need a good, to do it right, uh, the days that you aren't spending in San Francisco or the Bay Area, if you have friends or you're going to stay there, you need three or four days each way to do it right, to not be driving and be able to stop and saunter through the red, different groves in the Redwood Forest and stay and see the beautiful coast. Mendocino is one of my favorite cities on the West Coast. And of course, if anybody really has time, going all the way to L.A. is even even more spectacular because you've sure. got Big Sur and Monterey and all that stuff. But uh, just based on the fact that we all live, most of us listening here live in Oregon, at least do the San Francisco trip. I strongly suggest people do it. And I've got some other travel too. Yeah, I no, suggest. I mean, you're, you're fresh off a trip, but you've got some stuff lined up and it sounds as if some uh, space has opened up so people can tag along. Right. I've got three weeks away. We have our trip that many people know about if you're a flying fish or a leaf gildersleeve fan who's been on the podcast a lot we were previously sold out kind of twice and then we resold it out and then two people just backed out so we kind of have spots on consignment that we would like to um, that we would like to resell and so there are two spots to the trip which is July 17th to the 21st it starts out in halfway Oregon at the Canyon Outfitters headquarters for dinner and then we launch the next day on the river for 3 days with Leaf and Eric Endland his chef England at um, at uh, at Flying Fish, and they serve incredible seafood along the way and then have a finale dinner of only Flying Fish food. The rest of the trip is um, is curated by the folks at Canyon Outfitters, and I will say this. There are a few people out there who know Lynette and George. We had a podcast with them, the Hauptmans, and they are completing their 40 years of the premier guides on the Snake River, or some, as some might know, Hell's, Hell's Canyon. This is their last year. This is one of their last trips. We're doing another one with Ringside that is sold out a month later. 
But this is the last opportunity for two people to get in and enjoy the uh, George and Lynette on their last year. That doesn't even include how great it is to travel with Leaf, a fishing beast, uh, out there on the most beautiful river you're going to find here in Oregon. So contact me. You go to portlandfoodadventures.com. You can see on the trips you can book, do the drop-down menu, drop-down menu there, and uh, you can contact me or give me a buzz. I believe my phone number's on that website. Uh, 503-314-4221. Why not, Court? It's my cell. Do I want everybody to have it? But Podcast sure. listeners can can have it. Yeah. 503-314-4221. And you'll also see on that tab a trip in three months to Sicily. And we now have two more spots to that as well. So uh, we would love to have someone go with us there with Austria Ensign. Beautiful trip to Western Sicily covering Palermo, Erice, Agrigento, and back to Palermo and lots of parts in between. It's fantastic. Uh, this will be, I think, our 10th Portland Food Adventures trip to Europe. And uh, we have mostly repeat customers, and we're happy about that. And then you'll also find we, are, we have just done a trip to Basque Country with the folks from Ordenetta, the Contreras, Javier and JL, and also Andre, their incredible server. We have another one that's sold out in September, and we just added a new spring date 2023, April, to Basque Country with uh, Erdineta. No one's signed up for yet, that yet because we haven't mentioned it anywhere. It just, it just uh, was agreed upon and we're ready to go. So contact me about that too. Thank you, wow. everybody, for listening to these public service announcements. Yeah. They are public service announcements because the trips are fantastic. If you have the time, the interest, and the budget to go, strongly encourage them certainly yeah no it's, uh, you're you're a, you're a traveling man as as uh ricky nelson might say yeah it's a good it's a good gig <laughs> i would say this this and travel and uh, we have to get back to portland food adventures events which is how this all started right but since covid we really haven't gotten it and i've been kind of focused elsewhere so we'll get some events going again sure someday so that's one thing you've been to, Court, is a PFA event, right? Definitely have, and uh, they they can't be missed. So I'll be excited when they return, uh, you know, to the uh, to the agenda to the the calendar. So Chris, we've been talking about doing traveling maybe from longer distance, but here we can talk about traveling maybe just a, a short trip out to the coast to your neck of the woods because we're doing a classic episode of Right at the Fork. Yeah, we'll uh, we thought it was a good opportunity to feature once again. Chip McGregor of McGregor's Pub out here in Manzanita, which is just a really special spot. Um, and uh, he's a really knowledgeable guy. Actually, he uh, we, we discussed maybe doing a trip over to, you know, to enjoy Scotland someday. And uh, who knows? We'll see. That's down the road. But I found Chip to be a really fascinating guy. Uh, really good interview. He's experienced at being interviewed about whiskey. I mean, they're specialists in that, and that's what they highlight out at McGregor's. But you can get other other beverages and some food as well while you're out here in Manzanita. I would suggest always making uh, McGregor's a stop. Um, and his wife, Holly, 
has recently, I think both of them actually, but I think Holly's putting her more time into it, and I could be wrong, I've been wrong once or twice before in my life, into the Cloud and Leaf Bookstore, a fixture here in Manzanita. Um, she's involved in the publishing industry, and so is Chip, and they just bought that bookstore. So if you've ever been to Manzanita and wandered in, it's a really special, sweet little spot with lots of books. And Holly's running that show now, as well as uh, McGregor's Pub. And actually, what we didn't mention is there's also a McGregor's Pub in Cannon Beach as well. So there's a location there. I understand they may be moving. I don't know. But we thought since it's the beginning of summer and lots of people are coming out to the coast, um, that folks go there. And, uh, you know, can I mention something, Court? Would you mind sure. me doing a little rant? No, please. I'd By like to because I've only ranted in my own brain and uh, on this. There's a place called the Winery at Manzanita. And this is, these are some folks from California who moved in a few years ago, and they created some, a nice space with, with heaters outside so you can sit there in the winter. But the thing is that it's, a, it's one thing if you come in from California and you decide, well, this is cool. I'm going to open a winery, per se, whatever, whatever that may be. Right. And then on top of that, you go out and you put billboards all over the coast about your restaurant, your winery, all over seaside, up and down the coast, promoting Manzanita as a destination. Now, as a Manzanita res- resident, I know that tourism has to keep this place going. I get that. On the other hand, this has been our quiet little community that if you didn't know about and you're just traveling down 101 and no one told you to go to Manzanita, you just pass it by. And right. a lot of people have, because I've learned that over the years, so many people have told me, oh, I've never been to Manzanita. And when I ask, have you been to the coast? Oh, yeah. Well, then what about Manzanita? Well, it's off the beaten path. You have to know to go down Lanita Avenue to the beach. Right. And so now we've got these folks out there promoting our little sweet town as a destination. I suppose that's good for the other businesses, but... It was always kind of nice here because we didn't have the crowds that Cannon Beach had. And we will never have that because we don't have as many hotels and inns, I suppose, and restaurants. But that's one little thing that annoys me is they came in from California and then started placing ads all over the place to come to Manzanita, which I don't know. Right. Well, I was going to say, you you won't have the crowds that Cannon Beach has now, but... Potentially, you, you could down the road if they keep those billboards up. Right. They're going to they keep adding them. I keep seeing or, new ones. That's the or, thing. Yeah. Or, or, Chris, or you have more people coming into town. They want to check out those uh, sea caves where they found those ancient uh, timbers from that uh, sunken ship. That happened right there in Manzanita. I heard that. I had a friend who texted me that story five days ago, and I was traveling, and I never looked until last night, and I saw yep. it. Now- you know, some of the people who are concerned about um, artifacts and the coast are worried that a lot of people are going to come here. I'm going to say, if you're going to come here and look for those artifacts out in the caves, uh, you know, on the the point outside of Neocani Mountain, that's pretty rugged, man. You got to really want to look for stuff to go out there because right. uh, I've lived here for years. I've never gone out there. It it looks 
you know, like it's pretty perilous to find what you have to really be on an expedition, right? To do that, yeah. And and, and then you've got the authority saying, don't don't do that because you don't want to move those artifacts because then you kind of damage, you know, the right. But the article is so confusing. It says it's help. It helps to tell people this, and then it doesn't help to tell people right. this. So yeah, who knows? But um, but anyway, it's pretty cool. This is uh. Sure. You know, some treasure from a from a lost ship way back when. And the, the ship that inspired the Goonies. Was, was it really? How yeah, many they, years ago was this? I, I have to cop to my 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 retention. Is so my understanding there. is it was a ship from the 1600s right. that was coming from Asia that was a uh, like a, uh, a Portuguese ship because you know we we often forget that you know the the Spanish and the Portuguese were really the the people sailing the oceans long before us English speakers. But yeah, I think it was a, it was either a Spanish, but I think it was a Portuguese uh, ship that uh, was heading out of the Philippines that just disappeared. And the lore that I had heard that has been going around for years is there, there's buried treasure on Neocani mountain. Right. And so well, for years, people have been coming up here, digging, digging, digging. Yeah. What did the, they had a name for it. I can't remember the holes or some, the holes of right. Neocani. Oh, and, that sounds, uh, sounds exotic. Yeah. But, um, but that, but, but that, but that story, Chris was in fact, the story that I, that the, the articles I was reading was the one that inspired, you know, Steven Spielberg and the, the the basis of the the Goonies that buried tre- treasure in some sort of sea cave, right? But then, so. how did they end up in Astoria? Eh, it's just more picturesque. <laughs> it, was, yes. it was, you know, it was a larger population. Well, uh, I know why. It had a cooler house. That, there you go. That right. the, a type of house you wouldn't see in Manzanita. Sure. Whereas you go up to Astoria, which I'm going to be doing later today, as a matter of fact. Um, you go up to Astoria and you see all sorts of really cool houses. Somewhat, yeah. you know, they've called Astoria little San Francisco. And I right. can sort of see it because having just been in San Francisco and seen just the beautiful, beautiful homes down there. Just beautiful incredible. homes built built on the hill, on the steep hills. Yeah, totally. Right. With, you know, with Teslas out front. Sure. Um but yeah, there's a little bit of resemblance. But uh, and I was told by a friend when he moved there in the late '70s or early '80s, San Francisco was actually kind of a small town where you would run into people you know, hmm. which is sort of what Astoria would be now. But I have to imagine Astoria is still a fraction of what that was in the '70s oh, sure. and '80s. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but at any rate, um, where are we? I don't. We, you know where we are? We're, gonna, we're on a podcast. Yeah, we're on a podcast, and we're going to throw it to you and Chip. Yes, Chip McGregor of McGregor's Whiskey Bar here in Manzanita. Uh, really enjoyed this interview, and of course, we hope you do too. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest bounty in Portland, West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Ringside Steakhouse. For over 78 years now, Ringside has 
has been providing the best in steaks and has been the home for the beacon of great hospitality in Portland. Now featuring dining in their updated dining room and al fresco in one of the nicest outdoor dining spaces in the city. Make a reservation today at ringsidesteakhouse.com and while you're there, sign up for their mailing list to be the first to find out about the exciting specials and events going on at Portland's beloved Hallmark restaurant, Ringside Steakhouse. And by Portland Food Adventures, featuring the best chef-centric experiences in Portland since 2010. Go to portlandfoodadventures.com to see about the exciting trips our host Chris Angeles leads to places you have dreamed of going, like Western Sicily this September. It's time to stretch your international wings and expand your culinary horizons. Let Portland Food Adventures do all the planning to the best dining and culture all over Europe and elsewhere with Portlanders you'll get to know and enjoy. portlandfoodadventures.com Chip McGregor there, looking good. Uh, thank you. You're, you're all groomed. You got your hair all set. You got some nice glasses on. You look like you should be serving some whiskey. <clears throat> uh, yeah, exactly right. I Yeah, I even shaved for you, even though it's uh, holiday week. Hey, there's some brotherly love going on here. I shaved also today. Not as much, but I did. Right. So, uh, But thanks for joining us. I assume... This is a busy week for you in terms of the, your businesses? Yeah, well, it would normally be a busy week, except here on the North uh, Oregon coast, uh, you know, we've had snow. You know, I've, I've been here a dozen years, and we've had a dusting a couple of times, but this is the first time uh, here in Manzanita on the Oregon coast. We've got snow, and it's been there for a couple of days, and it hasn't gotten above freezing, and it's just never like this. And so it's not a busy week. Everybody is just... Uh, you know, sheltered uh, at home, enjoying the Christmas lights. Yeah, but I would think anybody who made plans for the Christmas week who is down here can navigate downtown Manzanita. That's yeah. not so bad. And yeah, so, so that's what we're hoping. They're looking for places to get out. I've had four people in my house here since uh, Friday, and uh, <laughs> that's only four, but I'm not used to it. And they're all my right. loved ones and, and at, at the fifth. And so we were just talking about how it would be nice to get out because we haven't really gotten out. Yeah, you remember the old Benjamin Franklin quote. Uh, Benjamin Franklin once said, uh, fish and friends stink after three days. Yes, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to say that, but I'm just okay. saying we're getting a little cabin fever. So it would, it would stand to reason that someone... There are, might be others like me or us out there who want to find a little watering hole. Right, who want to get away, get someplace which is warm and nice, and uh, maybe even drink a little whiskey. Maybe, maybe. So let's talk a little bit about McGregor's, because I read this morning as that you and Holly, your wife, met there when it was Dixie's Wine Bar. It, correct me if I'm wrong. No, that's that's absolutely correct. Uh, I was a publisher uh, for Time Warner, and uh, Holly was a high school English teacher. And um, uh, Time Warner they sold the book group. I was put out of work. Um, Holly took a medical leave from her job, and we ran. We we actually met at uh, in Manzanita at the community center. Um, at a, a community reading, she was asked to read a piece, uh, and they asked me if I'd come as a literary agent, if I would come. 
And uh, like most community readings, it was terrible. And um, uh, but I sat there politely. And then this woman, this blonde woman, got up and read something, and it was so good. And I walked up to her uh, in the intermission and said, "Look, you, you don't know me at all, but oh my gosh." That was great. You have a great you have great voice in your work. And Holly was like, "Yeah, thanks." And she turned and walked away, clearly thinking I was hitting on her. I was, no, no, wait. But a month later, uh, I walked into Dixie's Wine Bar there in Manzanita, and uh, she was sitting there talking to the novelist Deborah Reed. Uh, and I walked in, and I heard someone say. You should talk to this guy. He's a literary agent. And I turned, and there she was. So, yeah, Holly and I actually met and had our first conversation in the building that we now own as McGregor's. That was over five words, because you, you were able to try and get a few words in. Not many yeah. it was. Yeah. So, um, and that was, you know, uh, I, there, of course, in, as far as Manzanita goes, there is the Sand Dune Pub, but it's got a certain vibe. But I always thought when I moved to Manzanita, I always thought Dixie's. And now your place is, has similar vibe, but Dixie's was kind of the cheers of Manzanita at yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. Dixie, yeah, Dixie. For those who don't know, Dixie had a wine bar, and uh, and it was great. I used to go in there sometimes. Uh, Sand Dune Pub uh, is uh, down the road from us. Um, and a good spot. Spent many an hour there, enjoying uh, enjoying stuff. Uh, they had a hard time during COVID, like all of us did. They were closed a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and then uh, Jay owns uh, the lighthouse up on one hundred and one, um, which you know, uh, you know, a dive bar, a nice dive bar, and uh, uh, lots going on there and everything. But yeah, Holly and I, several years ago, we're, we're coming up on our fifth birthday uh, of uh, McGregor's Whiskey Bar. And uh, several years ago, we were just talking about it. And it's like, you know what this town needs? It needs a nice bar. It needs an upscale kind of bar. Because people are coming in. We've got tourists coming in. People who live here. Um, if they don't want to hang out at a pub, where do they go? I mean, there were four seats up at the Neocani Bistro. There, you know, four or five seats up at the Thai restaurant, and and that was it. That, but again, there you're just at a bar, really at a restaurant. I mean, you're sitting at the bar at a restaurant. So and same thing with Big Wave. That with was a bar at a restaurant. Right. Yeah. So we came up with this concept of let's do a whiskey bar. Let's do something really upscale, which is nice have a wide variety of whiskeys and uh, offer classes, let people know about it, uh, really focus on craft cocktails and having, and having good pours. And so what was your background to be able to feel confident that you were the person that could uh, to be the, the proprietor of McGregor? So I had, uh, <clears throat> I researched it by drinking a lot. At that time, or just your whole life, you had you had a you had a portfolio of life to speak of. Yeah, you have to sort of build up to it. You have to sort of build up to drinking a lot. It doesn't it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. uh, but we, actually, I, I've been really interested in uh, in distilling. So the, the funny thing is, is I'm, I'm I'm actually not a huge drinker, and I know that you're not a, a, a drinker either. Uh, but I enjoy the I enjoy uh, the science behind distilling. I enjoy the story behind distilling. 
uh, my family's from Scotland, from Pitlochry, Scotland, and so you know, was always interested in in Scotch, and uh, uh, and then I lived in Nashville for several years, and and was interested in in bourbon. It's kind of on the edge of the bourbon trail there, um, and. Uh, uh, so I was, I was really interested in it, started studying it, was reading books on it, took some classes on it and everything. As a publisher, got to help people do, got to help people publish a couple of books uh, on whiskey. And, um, you know, at some point it was like, you know, you could teach a class on this. Uh, you could teach a class just talking about this is the distilling process and here's what's unique about scotch, here's what's unique about bourbon, here's what's unique about rye, uh, uh, here's what is not terribly unique about Irish or Canadian, but, um, and, um, uh, so got into that and decided, you know, this would be a great venue to be able to do that. And, you know, where people could come in and they could try things. If people don't want to spend, they really don't want to spend a thousand dollars on the secondary market on a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle. But they'll come in and they'll spend sixty bucks to try a pour of it, you know, to see if it's if it's really all that. Um, and uh, uh, so, being able to open a place like that where they could come in and then where we could talk about it, and the people would know, <clears throat> the servers and the bartender would understand. This is what's unique about this, and could talk about the flavors. You know, there's an interesting thing. For years, I've taught classes on. On whiskey, and I always say to people, Chris, um, you know, the difference between an expert and a beginner is basically vocabulary. Experts can talk about stuff; they can explain stuff. So, so you know, you, you teach people. You teach people. This is how you nose it. Now, describe it. What are the things that you smell? Now, swish around in your mouth. Describe the taste. You know, what are the flavors that you're getting? What does it remind you of? And once and once you get people trying that and actually having to put into words, this is what I'm smelling, this is what I'm tasting, this is what the aftertaste is, um, they start feeling, oh, yeah, they can participate in this as well, you know. So, yeah, we do, you know, we do uh, monthly classes in it where we talk about stuff. We try and do a lot of tasting, certainly, we were doing a tasting a week here before before COVID. Tried to involve all the distilleries, uh, certainly in in Oregon and Washington, everybody that can come in, and uh, and I love doing that. To me, that's part of the fun. And so, who's your market? I would imagine you've got some people in Manzanita and Cannon Beach. There aren't a lot of permanent residents here, but you've got a lot of Portlanders who are here on a regular basis, and then other people coming in from Seattle and. California that are that are looking for a nice place to stay. You've chosen Cannon Beach and Manzanita, so you're, as a matter of course, going to get a more uh, amenable market to what you have, I would think. But so, how much of it is local? How much of it is are one-time hits? Yeah, and what's interesting is so we have two locations. Uh, McGregor's is a whiskey bar, the original one, coming up on five years, has been in Manzanita. And then we've got a second location in Cannon Beach, which is coming up on three years. And um, and they have a very different vibe. Um, Manzanita, very much a local uh, crowd. Um, locals know us, they love us, they realize that, um, you know, here's a great place to go, you know, been very loyal to us. Obviously, we have tourists coming in, 
Um, but Manzanillo being a small tourist town on the Oregon coast, which gets a lot of repeat tourists, people who kind of know about it, have discovered Manzanita. And so they come in. So it's always funny, Chris, because, you know, you get a lot of people who are like, Chip, yeah, Chip, Chip McGregor, remember us? You know, we came in, you know, last March. Oh, of course I remember you. <laughs> and you know, they want to know because they've had, uh, they tried something. You introduced us to Isla Scotches, you know, or you introduced us to, uh, you introduced us to Rise or to Michter's or whatever it is. Um, and, and that's very much the vibe in Manzanita. Cannon Beach, totally different. Cannon Beach, frankly, feels like it's all tourists. It's all people coming in from out of town. Um, so you don't necessarily have to remember as much for those people. Manzanita, do you have any kind of database system to put in? This is the Smiths and we did this and this. So you can- We do. As a matter of fact, it's funny you'd ask that. So we started a whiskey club for that reason, where we track what people drink so that they can try things. And when when our customers, once they've tried 50 different whiskeys, then they get their name on a plaque on the wall. They get to become a gold member, which, uh, uh, and we've got the plaque. You can come in and see it. It's got a long list of names on it of people. We, have, we also have a whiskey club, um, and we do events for the people in our whiskey club. It's $50 a year, and... Um, they get to come to all of our classes for free. There's coupons for you know it's ten dollars off a flight, or um, or we'll get a, uh, you know we'll get a bottle of something rare, mm-hmm. you know we'll, we'll get a like a, a Brooklady Octomore for example. Um, well, it's in, so in demand that uh, we just make it available to the to the whiskey club members so they can come in and get a, get a pour uh, before anybody else uh, even hears about it. So. Yep, you're right. And, but like I say, Cannon Beach, it's, it's, it's just a different vibe. It's very much, um, you know, we're const- I like to say to people, we're constantly being discovered in Cannon Beach because it's always people coming in and it's like, oh my gosh, there's a whiskey bar and you've got more than 200 brown liquors here. That's amazing. Yep. Here we and are. does anybody, uh, you know, I know there's uh, in Portland, Multnomah Whiskey Bar, but that's the only other one I really know. Are there any other pretty significant whiskey bars people could visit in Oregon? You've got... Oh, sure. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. As a matter of fact, you know, if you're in Portland, if you haven't been out to Oregon City to go to the Highland Stillhouse, Highland Stillhouse is one of my favorite whiskey bars. I mean, next to my own. Um, But the Highland Stillhouse out of Oregon City is great. I I like the Pope House, which is... 21st and Gleason, I think, um, in Northwest Portland, the Pope House is there. Um, uh, obviously, Whiskey Library, and below the Whiskey Library, you know, the Green Bars is, is down there, and they they don't have as big of a selection. And, and I know the Whiskey Library, it's hard to get into, and it's expensive and everything like that. But, of course, an incredible selection. Anytime, you know, I mean, people come in and are like, people come into McGregor's in either Manson or Cannon Beach and are like, wow, look at all these, You've got, you know, Two, you have more than 200 whiskeys. I think right now I've got 239 in Manzanita. Yeah, and then it's always like, yeah, walk into the whiskey library where there's six times that. <laughs> you know, imagine looking at your whiskeys in a book. But know, that sounds a little bit like the list society. People can have, just because they have six times as many doesn't mean they're going to have six times as good a, an experience in there. Sure. They can, 
you know, it's, it's all the vibe of the place. And of course, your place is a lot smaller and more intimate. And, oh, you walk out of your place and you're not in downtown Portland. You're looking at the surf in Manzanita. Right. And, and uh, exactly right. I mean, part of it is our location. We're... Um, yeah, we've got both places have a great location, a couple of blocks from the beach, and you're right there. And, uh, you know, when the sun is shining, which is usually shining here at the Oregon Coast, as you know. Uh, I, my memory only goes about a month and a half, and I don't remember yeah, that. Weather here is always beautiful. <laughs> um, uh, but... Uh, but by the way, so that I don't uh, short anybody, there are some other places. Um, uh, the Scotch Lodge uh, in Portland. Oh yes, uh, I is, can't believe my, my brain is not functioning because it's holiday week, and I love Scotch Lodge. As you mentioned, yep. not because I'm a drinker, but the food there. We have an interview yep. with Tim Martell, the chef there, and some of the, they have some fantastic food there, and they've had some of Portland's best uh, bartenders in a night. Oh, some great bartenders right. there. Um, South, I like Southland Whiskey Kitchen, uh, huge selection. Um, and of course, it's just a, a block away from uh, from the Bull Run Distillers uh, there on uh, just off of 23rd. Mm -hmm. Southland Whiskey Kitchen is good. Um, a lot of people like the infirmary um, and pay dirt. Uh, so there's uh, there are several whiskey bars in Portland. Uh, if you haven't checked out, um, uh, if you haven't checked out the uh, uh, the infirmary, uh, it's it's worth going in just to see. Uh, and, and by the way, out out in Beaverton, um, there. Uh, what's the big? Uh, oh, I wish I could help you. Yeah, it, it's so. Uh, uh, Westview, or uh, I don't know. We can look it up and put it in the show and put it in the intro. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, uh, and then you know I've not been to Old Gold, uh, which is out on the Overlook, but I've heard good things about Over Overlook, uh, or I've, I've heard good things about Old Gold. Um, but Pater, it's good. Um, like I say, love the Pope House. Um, uh, so anyway, yeah, they, they, there are some really good uh, whiskey bars. Were you searching um, for bootleggers or West, Westgate, one of those two? Westgate, that's what it was. So, yeah, Westgate. Yeah, the Westgate. Oh, and I should, yeah, how can I leave out Raven and Rose? Right downtown, right on uh, on um, 7th on Broadway. Uh, must be about 7th and Jefferson uh, and is is the Raven and Rose, which is a, a fantastic. First of all, the setting is fantastic. It's right by Portland State. Yeah, and if it's you're, an uh, old, very historical house yeah. that was actually moved there. Right. However, I'm going to give you some bad news here, Chip. That I thought they were permanently closed, and as I'm doing a little search here, they are. So they the Raven and Rose is closed. Well, the Rookery Bar is closed, and I thought Raven and Rose, and it says. Wow, I didn't know that. Okay. Was permanently closed. Now, those are friends of mine, and I had seen them in Manzanita about a year ago, and I think uh, lately I've been seeing the proprietors there, Lisa and David. Uh, looks like they're residing in California right now. I hate to put out a false oh. rumor, but, yeah, permanently closed, Raven and Rose here. Oh, that's too bad. Um, yeah, it's funny because I know that the um, – Tommy, who used to be Close. one of the guys uh, 
at uh, at the whiskey library. Tommy Clues. Not Tommy Clues. Yeah. yeah. What what's his place called well, he, now? Well, he's he's at Scotch Lodge. Okay, he's at Scotch Lodge, but I thought he had a place called well, something he, he, else. Uh, listen. <laughs> We've had COVID, so I cannot guarantee the, the accuracy exactly. of this information. But he right. was in business at La Moule uh, with, with uh, Aaron Barnett at, uh, there. And, but then I understand Scotch Lodge was his place. There may be some okay, others yeah. he's involved with now, too, and I don't know. And we've been trying to get yeah. him on the podcast, so let's, I'll make a note of that, and we'll clear that up soon. And uh, but like I say, if people haven't been to the infirmary or pay dirt, two other good ones. And I know I'm just I'm sending people, but you know I, I don't really view them as competition. I mean, God, we're two hours away. We're out here on the coast, and out here, uh, frankly, when it comes to having a lot of uh, of selection, um, yeah, we don't have a lot of competition. No, uh, you, it, there isn't. I mean, you gotta there. You can like a lot of places here and still, pr- pr- uh, you know. Uh, right hit them and, and enjoy them. I personally, you know, I've always said we had Marzano's pizza last night because we had a hard time finding any place. But my son said, and I agree, we are really lucky in a little town like this to have such good pizza. Um, and so there aren't a lot, but there aren't a lot of choices in town and where to go to eat. And we're also, listen, we're part of the whole Portland Metro and part of the whole vibe of Portland is is to support one another and right. talk it up. You're you're not here to talk about don't go here. I would bet you there's one place in Manzanita that I can think of where the proprietors might not suggest that they go to your place. I can only think of one place. And uh, maybe up the street. And that may not be the case because they may love you and I, I may be wrong. But um, yeah, I, I honestly, I'll be honest, I, I wouldn't know who that is because... Uh, yeah, we send people to the Thai place, to the Mexican place, to Marzano's, uh, to the Sand Dune. You know, it used to be uh, Bread Notion is now uh, the offshore uh, grill. Offshore grill, which is great food. And now that they're serving inside, I'm happy with them. But I was not happy, yeah. not unhappy. I but I mean, I just got sick of eating out of boxes. So they never got. Yeah, to exactly. the they didn't get to come into their own after moving here to Rockaway because we used to drive down to Rockaway just to eat there and be really happy. Then they moved here and it was takeout. And so. Right. Yeah. We used to do the same thing. Yeah. And by the way, uh, Jay owns uh, uh, the lighthouse up on 101 and a great relationship with, with him as well. So. And who's Jay? What else does Jay own? Who's, why should we know Jay? I, sorry. I, I, I know Jay because he comes into my. Oh, bar okay, so get... but my point was, I thought you were indicating that he owns something else and owns oh, Martin no. Anthony Lighthouse. <clears throat> yeah, the lighthouse is the lighthouse is good. They've got good chicken wings. I've been there for that. Um, but yeah, there aren't a lot of there aren't a ton of great spots here, and there aren't you know, Cannon Beach has a few. But I wanted to ask you while we're on Cannon Beach, where do you personally? I don't know if you can say this. This is a little bit like a Sophie's Choice question, but where do you personally have a better time when you're working at the Manzanita location or Cannon Beach location? Where do I have a better time? Well, I because the man because Manzanita is so many locals who have really embraced us. Uh, I have a better time there because really 
not a night goes by that I don't see people I know and want to have a conversation. And it's like, you know, Joe comes in, Joe, how you doing, man? And he always gets his maker's mark, uh, old fashioned. And then, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, Mike comes in and, you know, Mike always wants to have Jameson and, you know, it's one of those where, uh, uh, you know, there's another guy also named Mike who always wants, you know, he wants a, a black Manhattan made with, uh, Colonel Taylor Rye. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I could talk to these people and we know each other. And it is, as you know, Manzanita is a small town. So, you know, it's funny, you mentioned Cannon Beach because um, people from Portland always want to go out uh, and they always want to, well, they, you know, something in Seaside. Yeah. I don't know where to send them in Seaside. I will tell you, Noni's has the best Italian food for a hundred miles around here. Noni's, uh, Italian there in, in Seaside, uh, in, in Seaside, oh. right on Broadway, r- right beside the uh, Seaside uh, Brew Pub, uh, right. Seaside Brewing, um, and I think that there's a pizza place right there beside them as well. Um, what Fultanos? I, I don't sorry. know. So I end up sending people as far away as Astoria and as far south as Newport. I think those are our best. Yeah. The coasts. Best two food cities, if that's what you want to come out for. Um, But you can still make do in places like this. So when did you ever think you would own a whiskey bar? I mean, were you a guy who frequented bars and hung out like an old movie and and, you know, enjoyed the lore? So here's what I did. Again, I, I spent my life working in publishing. And so, you know. Lived in Colorado for a while, uh, was in New York, lived in Nashville. And so I had favorite places that I like to go. Um, and I'm very much like that, where it's like, yeah, find a place that you really like and then, and then plop down there on a regular basis. Uh, but no, this wasn't like a lifelong dream. Uh, I've always wanted to own a whiskey bar. To be honest, what happened was I moved here. Um, and, and the Reader's Digest version is, yeah, I moved here. Uh, after I was cut loose at Time Warner, thinking I'm going to buy a place here at the beach, so I've got a place where people will always want to come visit, and I've got kids who are grown and they'll want to come and visit, and I'm going to buy a place in Portland in the Pearl District, so I can actually, you know, go to the symphony and everything like that. And <clears throat> fortunately, I bought the place at the beach first because then, uh, you know, later Portland fell apart. But also, you know, I was looking around, and after a while, it was like, okay, wait a minute. Why should I be spending eight hundred dollars a month on my HOA fees when, uh, you know, when I, I want to go to the symphony? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can, I can go into Portland and stay at the Hilton, and um, you know, and walk to wherever I need to go, or take an Uber anywhere. It's a hell of a lot cheaper. Uh, well, that's <laughs> to, responsibility. To so, it's interesting. There's a couple of things going on here. You and I identified that we graduated high school in the same year. And we so, did, yeah. Nice, great year. And that's been, for, for, those, for those paying attention, that's been almost 10 years ago. <laughs> almost. Um, and then your memory kicks in, and it was actually 40-some-odd years ago. Um, but at any rate, so we both graduated at the same time. But my original dream, it didn't happen the way yours was, was to, when I sold my house in Lake Oswego, was to buy a place a little, this was when things were a little more doable back in the, mid-2000s, 
uh, buy a place in the Pearl and a little place out in Manzanita because I loved it so much. Well, Maybe. 2008 and 9 hit, and there goes the there goes the assets the, that I yeah, use exactly. to do that. But I found I'm just as happy renting in both places as I am owning, and so that's what I'm doing. And I'm kind of trying to wean myself off of the place in Portland now because I. I just as you said, I could do an Airbnb for what I pay there. Yeah. Uh, uh, my problem is I gotta find. I would find I have to find an Airbnb that takes my dog every single time and start all over. But at any rate, that's neither here nor there. I love the connection to both places and being yeah, able to do it. And so for me, my social life is there. I meet people there. I go places. I do things here. I want to be just kind of with my dog and my girlfriend, and I don't really need to know everybody here. So, um, yeah. so that's probably why we haven't crossed paths too much o over the. But we, uh, Holly and I, love going into Portland and going out to dinner. We go, we'll, we'll go see a show. Uh, you know, we just, I mean, uh, we just went to see the, you know, the. Uh, the symphony uh, at what we call the Paramount is is now the Portland or the Schnitz. Mm -hmm. uh, went in to see the Christmas show, um, and we love to. And there's so many places uh, that are so good in Portland to eat. And you know, uh, Le Pigeon or Muka Osteria are a couple of favorites. Ox is great. Andina, we love Andina. We love um, uh, the. the uh, Nostrana? Uh, Nostrana. I love Nostrana. So, you, you just went through a, like an all-star cast. There's so many to love there. I was yeah, exactly. We used, to, we used to love Paley's Place, you know, but... Uh, yep. There's so much to love. And then, you know, anything Aaron Barnett does is fantastic. St. Jack and La Moule is... Have you been to La Moule? Because I think you two would love it over there. I, I have not, but uh, it's on the it's list. It's a romantic bar. It's very nicely done. And then, you know what I've been lately, because I'll, if, if you ever wanted to open it up, we need sushi out here. We don't have a good sushi op option right. anywhere. Right. So I, I agree. When I go into Portland, I'm on the lookout. That's the first thing that comes to mind generally um, is, uh, is a little of that. So... Pausing just a moment here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat here in Portland, an institution, a Portland institution, Ringside Steakhouse. And get excited because now Ringside is open seven days a week, so you can join them for indoor and heated patio dining any day of the week. The hours are Monday through Thursday, 5 to 9, Friday, 4.30 to 9.30, Saturday, 4 to 9.30, and Sunday, 4 to 9. So everything's closed. Close to the same, but go on Ringside's website to check out the updated hours and, of course, uh, see about their prime rib three-course $48 special that is moving back to its historic Monday. Yeah, that's really great. I, I, that's one of my favorite things to get at Ringside Steakhouse, so uh, you can put that back on the agenda for a Monday night. And... Prime ribeyes by the case are back at Ringside. Ringside signature steaks are for sale on the website right now. Uh, they're available for pickup on Saturday, June 18th, which is Father's Day weekend. Don't forget that. Mothers, other people, and fathers. And Chris, we should also point this out. Not only can you get their great steaks, but if you love the way Ringside seasons their steaks, you can actually pick up the Ringside signature house seasoning as part of this. So do that I as well. 
some ringside steak salt that I had from a, a pack of beautiful food that I served at a party at my house uh, not long ago. And that ringside salt, the the, the steak salt that yeah. they provided is going to last me for a couple of years. I assume it's going to be good for that long. Very nice. You can, you can put it on steaks, chops, chicken, and your vegetables. Why not? So make those reservations on the website. Check out the hours on the website, ringsidesteakhouse.com. So do you get a lot of time? You're working hard here. The pandemic has been a little rough. However, for a lot of retailers and proprietors on the coast, 2020 was an excellent year. And 2021, this is where people could visit. So they're... they're Tourism was crazy out here, so I would imagine it was a little. It was kind of bittersweet for you because you had all. These- it was bittersweet. Yeah. yeah, we lost a lot of money, obviously during uh, during the pandemic. Uh, things closed, uh, but you know you still still have to pay rent and you still have to pay the electric bill and you still have to pay the internet to keep your security cameras going and things like that. And uh, you know we tried to keep health insurance going for everybody. Um, yeah, it was it was a, a tough year. Things came back. Now, uh, I'll tell you what, the biggest frustration I have is I have friends. I was just talking to somebody uh, in the South there uh, in South Carolina, and they said, you know, and I actually, actually was also talking to somebody in Florida, and both of them said, yeah, we've been fully open, you know, for months and months without any restrictions, no mask restrictions, everybody's fine. And I go back and forth on that because I'm one of those who's like, yeah, I, I want to protect, obviously we want to protect ourselves, but we want to protect other people, we want to protect our customers and everything like that. Uh, and uh, and I got tired of arguing with people coming in about why you need to wear a mask. You know, I will say that in Manzanita, that hardly ever happens. You know, that's that's another one of the differences between Manzanita and Canada Beach. Uh, people are more, were more willing to support the community here and not worried about themselves yeah. as much. Whereas in Canada Beach, it was a constant, you know, you know, well, F the government, I don't care kind of thing. And it's like, look, dude, this, this is this is not my personal rule. OK, <laughs> I'm just trying to stay in business and keep my license. OK, so could, could you identify where now? those people were coming from? Because I have a theory. The only, there's only I, I guess I don't like to say this because I like everybody to like us all. But the only time I see Beer cans and cigarette butts on our beach <laughs> is after a Washington spring break. That's it. <laughs> so, so I don't know if you can identify whether they be the Washington people might be like that. Who knows? I can identify with that. Yeah. Okay. Now and that doesn't mean that all people from Washington are like that, but they have. There's a certain um, degree of respect that they don't have that people in Oregon, I think, want to preserve what's going on here. But that being said, you know, we, everything is politically incorrect nowadays, so it's, it's, hard to, uh, it's hard to talk. But that begs the question, in a bar where people like to get a little loose and have some talk, is political correctness something you have to, that people are on the lookout for? At a, at a place like McGregor's, or is it just still kind of the same way it was 10 years ago? Can you say what you want to say? Uh, I would say that people, certainly people are more sensitive. To be fair, I'm more sensitive. Mm-hmm. You know, there's certain things that that 
I think all of us used to joke about. And then we maybe came to a place where it's like, you know what? Maybe that's not, uh, maybe that's not appropriate. And, uh, you know, our industry, um, has been, uh, I think has taken a real look at itself uh, in terms of, uh, the, the, Work environment for women mm-hmm. is a, is a is a classic example, um, or uh, uh, the work environment for gay men I think is another classic example uh, where I think it's I think it's a safer place to be than it used to be. That's a good thing. Um, uh, well, I- but, but you what you said is is absolutely right, Chris, because we do have people come in, and of course they'll sometimes want to say things very late. Well, I know I'm not supposed to say this because, uh, the, you know, and it's always like, okay, well, you know, but the, the nice thing about a bar, of course, is uh, basically you can say what you want and um, uh, we don't have to agree on all things political or all things religious, right. <laughs> you know. Well, the other part of the reason I mention it is because a lot, the, the senses of humor of people and generations have changed a little bit. So what what used to be thought of as just an innocent joke, and I'm not defending it, but just what used to be thought of, you'd say no matter what. Now you have to stop and think about all the, did I say that right? Did I say, did I call a woman beautiful? Am I allowed to do that any longer? Um, those sorts of things are things that happen in a bar uh, first. Right. So. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not yeah, but at the same time, my, you know, my, my wife helped me to see that, uh, yeah, there are certain things that she's had to live with or that a lot of women of service have had to live with that, you know, they shouldn't have to live with. They, they don't have to be, uh, they don't have to live with constantly being hit on by guys, you know. My, my, my daughter telling me, you know, she got so tired of, you know, guys have a couple of drinks and say, oh, you should smile. You're so much prettier when you smile. Well, and I, yeah. and I think of it because my father was, I always called him an unadmitting alcoholic. So he was a drinker and his drink was scotch. And, man, he, you know, he was the poster child for shit you shouldn't be saying to my mother. <laughs> and, 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 you know, you know he, in my industry, in the whiskey industry, of course, uh, you know, when, so Jim Murray, every year, if you don't know, Jim Murray does the Whiskey Bible, and uh, it's, a, it's you know, annually updated and stuff like that. And finally, in 2020, some people pointed out, look, Jim Murray sounds like a misogynist asshole, and he doesn't need to say that kind of stuff in his book, and it's not appropriate. And, and the funny thing is, uh, you know, at first, oh, everybody, you know, there were a lot of people in the industry who wanted to leap to his defense. And then I think as we all took a step back, it was like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, he he doesn't need to. He, uh, there's other ways to describe this rather than comparing it, you know, comparing this whiskey to, you know, some woman's breasts. Uh, it's just like, okay, yeah, you know, that's it's a fair criticism. You don't have to be a dick to be able to talk about uh, about whiskey 
uh, you know, find some way to say it where you don't sound like a dick. Yeah. Well, some people would have a difficult time with that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There'd be a challenge. Yeah. However, you know, what you have to come to realize is nowadays everything is a lot more diverse. So whiskey drinking is right. certainly a lot more diverse than it was in my father's day in the 19th hole at the country club. I mean, they were going right. to say stuff that just couldn't even be published now. Um, but so, you know, things have changed. Uh, you know, women are participating more in the industry in different ways on both sides of the bar. So- yeah, you know, uh, we had uh, uh, Jill and the folks at... Uh, uh, at Freeland come out and do a tasting, you know, it's an all woman owned and operated distillery, Freeland uh, distilling uh, in Portland. And I have to say, I, I, I love it. I wish there was more of that. I wish, uh, frankly, that uh, uh, I, I wish that we had a more diverse industry, which, te- as you know, the distilling industry tends to be a lot of white males. Uh, and Look, I, again, I, I am one of those people who sees diversity as being a good thing right? with, uh, you know, with customers, <laughs> with staffing, with suppliers, with vendors. Uh, I just I think it makes us all better people. I don't think many people would argue that now. I think most people are on board. And if they're not, even if it goes against the grain of what they think, they still generally know politically they have to outwardly show that. Now, I go back. I think not only to that the 19th hole at the country club, but I go back. I used to do some work. Uh, my one of my first jobs in advertising, our big client was Seagram, and we used to do focus groups in New York. And there was not. I don't remember one woman involved in any of the on the client side, on the agency side. There were no women. They just didn't exist. So we've come a long way from there because i think the majority of anybody in advertising right now are women that was not the case then yeah uh there's actually um if you look it up uh yeah there's uh there's like a group called uh women who whiskey and i know that on the go bourbon site i know that uh, they have uh, they've done some articles on you know nicole austin and other people like that women getting more involved. Uh, I have a daughter who's gay, and so I'm sensitive to that, how we talk about and treat people uh, and um, and appreciate them. And not, not just, like, tolerate people who are different, mm-hmm. but appreciate them. And include, yeah. include completely. That's... Right. And that's... Because it is interesting. I've been saying that for a couple of years. You watch, I'll tell you, there is going to be, um, we're starting to see uh, more people of color get involved in whiskey world. And uh, and I think that that is, I think we're going to see uh, new flavors. I think we're going to see new appreciations for things that are very different over the next uh, over the next few years as um, more diverse people get involved uh, in distilling. And how much input do you have to the distilleries? Like, let's say if you saw a trend, uh, is it, are you too small? Do you think to have any kind of influence? Yeah, my my, my influence is yeah being able to say to them, you know what, you guys should be more diverse. That's, and they're hearing it from a. 
a lot of different places, and and it's clear people, we can yeah, see, people it, much we more can see it in me. media now. Once the media starts going different yeah. places, then it just permeates society. So I, from news organizations to uh, just entertainment to movies, everything has is including everybody now. So I think we can, I think yeah. we can yeah. pretty much see. So that being said, what's the client? What if I were to uh, and I have, but let's say tonight, I, well, I'm not going to do it. It's Tuesday night. You're not open. But uh, New Year's Eve, uh, you've got to be open on New Year's Eve. What yeah. kind of clientele will we see? Is it mostly couples? Um, I would imagine it's mostly couples and not a lot of single people. And you got Interestingly, yeah. Interestingly, at both of our bars, we have talked about that. Not a lot of single people uh, coming in. I, and I do think that one of the reasons that doesn't happen is partly the towns that we're in, which tend to be couples and families coming in more than singles. Uh, New Year's Eve will be a lot of groups. Right. You know, we had a great, as a matter of fact, you'll love this story. We had a, we had a great scene. Now, of course, the government shut us down last, uh, uh, you know, the uh, last New Year's Eve, unfortunately, but uh, here in Oregon. But uh, we had a great scene a couple of years ago where, we had a big group of young people. And, of course, I'm you know, 63, so they all look like they were 12 to me. you know. But I have a big group. And they, we have fire tables in front of our bar in Manzanita. So, and they had you know, taken over the entire front patio. So two big fire tables, and you've got probably 16, 18 people sitting around, and it's New Year's Eve, and they're there to party and everything like that. And there's one guy who's a little older who's clearly like the boss. I don't know if this is a family, a company. Uh, you know, some kind of a group or association or something, but they're clearly all together. They're having a good time. And they're all, but none of them are familiar with whiskey, right? And so the guy decides to take charge. They come out and I'm like, so happy new year. What, what can I do for you folks? You know, and he stands up and he sort of self-importantly, I tell you what, a shot of fireball for everybody. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> can I make a what? suggestion? <laughs> I I don't have fireball. I'm, I'm sorry. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, how about some tequila for everybody? Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. That's an alternative. <laughs> yeah. Well, my guess is he probably was just grasping for straws. So any good suggestion was uh, going to work. But um, well, that you know when I used to go to Dixie's and when I first moved here, I lived walking distance. The only time in my life I've ever lived walking distance to anywhere that had a door that had a sign when they were open. Um, so, you know, I lived right up the street above Yoke. So I was down there a lot. That was mostly single people, mostly single locals yep. that I recall right. going in there. Yep. Uh, a couple of times, there would be couples here and there. But uh, yeah, but one of, one of the things I was going to point out, that one of the things that's changed is that... Um, the, the actual bar. So I'm, I'm the kind of person, Holly and I are, are the kind of people, we always like to go in and actually sit at the bar. Uh, and a lot of people don't like that. But I love sitting at the bar. I like seeing what the bartender's doing. I like seeing how he or she is making drinks. Um, and there's, I think you get a, a, a great sense of the vibe of the place sitting at the bar. But, um, you know, it's funny. That has gone away so much. I mean, at our bar in Manzanita, 
you know, you can only get four people at the bar. At the bar in Cannon Beach, you can probably only get three, four you could squeeze in there at the bar. Um, and anytime there's two, they always take the middle two seats. And so it's basically, you know, well, we're full. But well, even if you fill it up properly and you have two and two, then it's not as conducive as a single person to come and sit over on the side. You want to sit. Exactly. Yeah, that's my point. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I guess that, that makes sense. So well, with the space we have, yeah, with the space we have, it's just it's just tougher. It's just tougher to do like a long bar somewhere. So we've set it up the way we've set it up. I think you should. I think you should try uh, setting aside a night and it's men only and see what happens with that. So, you know, <laughs> it's interesting. So because we're trying to have... Women get that women's <clears throat> night out all the time. Ladies night. Ladies. So we're talking about doing that. We were thinking of doing Sunday afternoons, uh, scotch and cigars. Uh, but then women yeah. can come too. You can't do that anymore. Right? You can't eliminate. You could not do it without women being invited. You may not market to them, but they'd have to be invited. You'd, you'd... Yes, yeah, I'm not trying to exclude women from right, scotch right. and cigars. But I've always said Just... that, and I don't know if I'm going to get the ra- we don't get the wrath of anybody on this podcast. So we know people are listening, but I've always said, you know, women can have ladies' nights out and champion. We only support women's businesses, but men can't do that because we did that for years. So we're, we've used up our quota of doing that, I think. So, <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I think that's that's the case. It's uh, We can't do that. So... Speaking of men and women, you're running restaurant, you're running your bar and, and food establishments with your wife, whom, by the way, you haven't been with forever. This is a fairly new relationship in terms of, you know, what, eight years so, eight, nine years, something in that neighborhood. How does that work out for you? Well, so Holly is the brains of this outfit, and I'm, I'm pretty much here just as, as eye candy. <laughs> I sort of hang around. I wear clean shirts and a bow tie and and shave. And yeah, and shave. Holly's actually the brains of the outfit. So uh I uh no, we work well together. Um like I say, we met at the wine bar and uh hit it off and uh we're coming up on uh you know, we got married in January in, in Maui and we're coming up on a third or fourth anniversary and um we'll skip over this part uh and um yeah we're yeah we're great together holly is uh the thing is that people love my wife she is uh she's friendly she's knowledgeable she knows how to make people feel that they're being listened to and uh and that's a great trait in your business yeah exactly yeah uh, and, you know, they, they come to me because they've got a question. It's like, hey, uh, tell me about this scotch, you know, or tell me about this bourbon. Okay. I, and so you, know, you both know your roles and you've got two different yep. places and you've got a, you're, you're, you're on the same page when it comes to the vibe that you want. And when right. issues come up, let's go this way. You're not really fighting each other on that. So, yeah, we're really not. Uh, you know, here's, here's a good example of food. Um, you know, we both agreed. It, it's not just, I mean, the goal was to, you know, have a couple of hundred whiskeys, right? uh, you know, lots of, and, and, and a lot of high-end things, a lot of high-end scotches and bourbons and ryes. 
Um, and uh, but food. So a lot of people who a lot of couples who own restaurants, you know, that's what they fight over. And it's like we just knew early on. Look, there's certain things we want to do. We want to be able to feed people here. Um, but we want to keep it simple. You've seen our kitchen. We need to keep it simple. Right. Uh, and so, uh, so she's been great in terms of always been great in terms of having a vision and being able to say, look, um, you know, pasties, uh, you know, s- sandwiches that are uh, like a. Uh, I, how do you explain a pasty? Well, it's a little bit like an empanada, but. <clears throat> it is like an empanada. It's 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 yeah. It's like a pop tart with meat for adults. Right. So, um, and uh, uh, y- you know, or or bringing in a bringing in a stew, or bringing in our lobster bisque, or something like that. Yeah, Holly's been really great about seeing and and having a sense of vision for that. So, and you're the fir- the I had the cl- she delivered the clam chowder to me once. That was fantastic. So, and you know, everybody's always concerned about the clam chowder out on the coast and uh, on the hunt for good ones. I thought that was a good one. Thank you. Yeah, we, uh, as far as I know, we're one of the few places that actually make it from scratch. Uh, You know, there's so many places nowadays. And I'm like, uh, who who make it out of a can? And I'm just like, you're kidding me. We live at the beach, for goodness sake. People are, you're opening up a can to serve to come on. A little easier. I must ask, as long as we're on the subject, and because you mentioned Ox before, have you ever had their clam chowder at Ox in Portland? I've never had their clam chowder. All right, well, then I just gave you the gift back that you bestowed on me for being a guest on the show. I really appreciate it. That's my gift back to you. Go there and uh, grab and get an order of their clam yeah. chowder. It's like nothing else you've okay. ever had. So you'll... Do people still go to Dan and Louie's? Uh, I don't know about people. I haven't been in years. I, I went there when yeah, I first I moved either. to Portland before I learned there was a real food scene. So... Right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I'm sure they still do well. I ask my 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 father took me there when I was a young boy, uh, which, you know, again for those who don't know us, that's that's been nearly ten years. Yeah, and wow. so, uh, um, well, but I stopped in there. I stopped in there for um, uh, for a bowl of clam chowder, and uh, and it was really good. And I was surprised to find out that the family still owns it. I mean. How often does that happen when you're fifth generation and the family is still running there, a restaurant? There aren't many in Portland, I think. What do you got? Maybe, I don't know, Huber's, but you've got that. And you've got Ringside is on Generation 3. And yeah. over 75 years, that's an institution in and of itself. So, And you can't be around if you're not doing it well. You can't, in, a, in a city right. like Portland, you can't just dial it in on any level and survive so and a lot do on the coast they dial it in because they've got this tourist market you can afford to do it so yeah that's what that's one of your i think one of your tenants when you opened was to to be good and quality and not just take advantage of the fact that people are here so now we uh, you know holly always had said you know she wanted to create a place that she would want to go to, which I know sounds like marketing copy, but it's not. I mean, this we want to create a place that she and I would feel comfortable going to, something upscale, uh, you know. And and it's one of the reasons why. Well, we offer a few beers. Beers never been the thing. God, there's so many beer places out of the coast, you know. In Cana Beach, I mean, there's 
know, Public Coast has something, and uh, I, I mean, and and Bill's Tavern is a kitty corner from us, and they've got great beer. And I mean, there's a uh, Pelican is a you got three brew pubs in town. It's like I don't want to compete with that. Uh, here's what they don't have, you know. They don't have, you know, 200 kinds of brown liquor and some really top-shelf uh, uh, bourbons and scotches. Uh, uh, so let's do that, you know. Let's create a place where we would like, we'd like to eat here. We'd like to drink here. We'd like the ambiance. I so. think that's important for any business you want. I know in, you know, in my life, I've wanted clients that I like to be with, right? That's important. And, um, you know, you want... You want to run your business as though you were there. So uh, yeah. that's, the, that's the best benchmark. And a lot, I think a lot of businesses, and I'm not necessarily talking about restaurants, but a lot of businesses, they went to school and they're reading manuals and they're reading how other people, what the, what the norms are for others. I've seen travel agencies do that. And there's better ways to do things if you're, if you're looking at it from a customer standpoint. So, right. um, so that's the case. Um, did you ever have a job in radio? You have this voice that is. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> I, I worked. Uh, I worked in radio for a few years, uh, and I know I've got the I've got the pipes for it. My twin brother, by the way, I spent his life in radio. Worked for Alaskan Public Radio for years, mm -hmm. and is currently um, on air in Newport, Oregon, working for some stations. It was funny, having spent my life in publishing, uh, especially in the mornings, you know, when it's really, mm -hmm. really deep. I haven't had a chance to use it yet. <clears throat> and it's happened to me a hundred times where I'll be at some morning meeting and somewhere during the meeting, you know, the, and again, I was working on a book on the publishing side and somebody, somebody in marketing had turned to me, would you do, would you do commercials for us? <laughs> so was, no. Sorry. Oh, or just be the read the books, be the narrator. The the those are that can make or break an audio book, right? To do audio book, I think well, you have a good audio book voice. Well, thanks very much. That's very nice of you to say. I uh, this is what I like doing. I, I like just coming on and talking to people on on their podcasts or on their radio shows. Uh, right, and, that's enough. Uh, but that's, that's nice of you to say. Thanks. Oh, my pleasure. So I just wanted to ask, I saw you had a little uh, uh, terrible thing happen. Your general manager, Lynn, was in an accident uh, last month. Yeah, we're still in December, right? It looked like it was November. Yeah. How are yeah. things going? I know you did it. I'd like to draw attention to the GoFundMe so that people... Thank you very much. It's really nice of you to ask. Yeah, our... Uh, so just so you know, Lynn Kyrus was the first employee we had before we even opened. Lynn had, as Lynn and her uh, former husband had started Left Coast Burrito uh, in town. And so for almost 25 years, uh, she ran a restaurant here in town. Uh, and then, you know, had some life changes and everything. And she was trying to figure out what her next thing was going to be. So I went to her and I said, Lynn, we want to start this whiskey bar. Would you be interested? And so... And I figured, well, I know whiskey. Lynn knows, you know, dealing with the county and the health department, and she knows what the rules are for that, and she's got ideas on food. She's done food before and everything. And so Lynn Kyrus has been with us really from day one. Uh, you know, we, uh, 
uh, officially formed the corporation on uh, March 15th, uh, the Ides of March, uh, five years. So we're coming up on our fifth year anniversary. We didn't open until D-Day, June 6th. But, uh, uh, and she's been with us since that day, since, uh, since March 15th, uh, coming up on five years. Lynn has always been there, been our chief bartender and the manager at the at the location, uh, just you know, taking care of everything. She was in a terrible car accident a couple of months ago, um, taken uh, driving in on Sunset Highway into Portland, and uh, it was not her fault. Somebody's coming the other way, and they were stopped, and a guy with a, his new car. Uh, wasn't paying attention and ran into them and pushed it into a head-on collision with Lynn. Mm. So she was in the hospital for about two weeks, came home for a couple of days, had to go back for surgery. And her dad was with her uh, and uh, he's in his seventies. And uh, he also has been in the hospital for several weeks. So thanks for asking. Um, she was badly hurt. She's doing much better. She's going to be in rehab for quite a while. Uh, Do you anticipate she'll be up and around? In 22? She's up up on a, uh, you know, on one of those wheel things where you put one knee on it and you kind of walk around and it rolls a little bit. uh, And um, we were supposed to have our Christmas party uh, over the weekend and she was going to come. It was going to be her first uh, outing. But because of the weather here, we had to cancel because we don't want people driving around in this stuff. So. But uh, but Lynn's healing. And by the way, if people are regular uh, McGregor's uh, customers and know Lynn and would like to contribute, uh, you can just make a check out to Lynn Kyrus and you can send it to us or drop it by the bar. You can just send it to McGregor's in, in Manzanita and we'll make sure she gets it. We're not taking any of that. It's all going to Lynn, of course. And there's so. also a GoFundMe. So if you go to McGregor's... You correct me on your your uh, McGregor's Whiskey Bar dot right, McGregor's Whiskey Bar dot com. You'll see there uh, a link to the GoFundMe. So that's the quickest, easiest way without even getting up out of one's chair to, <laughs> yeah. to make that happen. That's right. I, I hear the word check now, and I'm always looking for the other way to do it. Oh, I know. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm the same <laughs> way. It's like check. Yeah, I think I still have a checkbook somewhere. Uh, I, I, I was just yeah. asked for a check the other day and said, nope, you're going to have to wait. It's not coming right now. So at any rate, yes, we hope I'm, a lot of people have, you know, having been there for five years, I'm sure she has a lot of friends and fans. And so, um, and, and, yeah. and people, I would hope, who have heard this podcast today, who are now wishing and making plans to visit McGregor's in either Cannon Beach or Manzanita. They can do it, too, because they all have kind hearts, right? A lot of people have good hearts. That's true. Uh, By the way, can I I make an announcement about something that's new that we're excited about? We love that. Go ahead. Okay, so so this is – you can scoop uh, everyone here on your podcast. So we are – we've had people requesting this for quite a while. We're finally going to take a trip. We're going to uh, take people – this in fall of 2022, we're going to take people out on the bourbon trail. Um, and we're going to uh, visit uh, some distillers, go around, meet with the distillers, uh, get to walk through, get to try a bunch of places and everything like that. So there's going to be a bunch of, uh, information coming out on that too. We've never done that before, but you know, we try and offer a class every month, the whiskey education class. And, um, so we're going to follow that up this fall, this coming fall by also taking a trip back to 
uh, back to Kentucky and uh, going down the bourbon trail. Oh, fantastic. How many people will you have on that? Because, you know, this is what I do, too. Not necessarily that trip, but uh, how many people will you have? Um, so we're, I, we've been told we can have up to 24, although uh, I've been told That's that... That's a lot. And you... Uh, that, that it's too that it's too many that really that, that uh, people who have done it before have told me if you have more than 16 it gets kind of out of hand that's the number so, 16 is yeah. the max i think that's my personal opinion um 12 14 is beautiful 10 12 14 we've done as few as seven when mm -hmm. that was what it called for and uh yeah so but i think 24 is just it feels too much like a school field trip with everybody. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's what, somebody else used that exact same term. They said, we can have up to 24, but then it's like a school field trip. Right. It's like going to OMSI. You know, we're taking a fifth grade class to the zoo and to OMSI. What, you know? what I want from what, from what I think is best from my experience is if you set it up so people become, can become great friends. And so with a group of 16 and you're there for a few days, these people can hang out with these people for a couple of days, maybe early on decide we're best friends. We have people from our first trip when we went to Barcelona who are still traveling around the world together. They're best friends, they do yeah, things. Great. And that to me is the most gratifying thing. Beyond <laughs> their experience and what they enjoyed is that they now have people they can, ex for, uh, with whom they can expand their horizons. So that's cool. I'd, I'd, uh, We'll, I'll be happy to promote that, too, because we have people who are interested in that sort of thing. Um, well, thanks. Anything else going on in 2022 that everybody should be aware of uh, in terms of coming to Manzanita or Cannon Beach? That I saw you have some trivia nights, you know. I don't know. Yeah, we're uh, yeah we we had to kill trivia during COVID, but trivia is coming back, and uh, we continue to have classes every month. Uh, if people want to join uh, the whiskey club, you were doing a, a new push. Anybody who joins uh, here in in January will uh, for the year. It's fifty dollars a year, and and they'll get a uh, they'll get a McGregor's Glencairn Scotch glass, which would be better if I could actually hold up a glass, but I didn't think to bring this one. Is, this is, by the way, this is all audio. If we didn't talk about it, you and I are just seeing each other to make this a more comfortable conversation. Okay, all right. Um, so it's a beautiful glass, and it will change your life there. Uh, so, um, but that way, you know, like I say, there's uh, we try and really give value to people. Uh, in the whiskey club uh, and they you know coupons for things off and get to go to all the classes for free and stuff like that so all right last, anyway. last question since i'm more of a food person if i'm coming into let's say manzanita what do i want to order what, what would you suggest we where on the menu do we go uh for best food that you're serving there i'm sure everything's there for a reason but what what do you like the most at our location or in town? No, at your location. Oh, yeah. Okay, so um, we have... Uh, uh, so my favorite thing on the menu is our, is our pate board, uh, which has a selection of three pâtés. Uh, there's a, a pork rillet. There's a... Uh, uh, anyway, they, they, we, we get our pâtés from Olympic Provisions in Portland, and I think they are stellar. Um, oh, you can't miss with that. And it's Olympia Provisions, speaking of changes. Yeah, I know. They had to change your name. Right. Sorry. Uh, and uh, and we also have a cheese board. And I know lots of places have a cheese board. But um, 
I'm telling you, I, I just, again, my favorite things, pate board, the cheese board. Now, lots of people come in for the lobster bisque, just as lots of people come in for uh, the, uh, uh, the pasties. Um, you know, it's one of those where it depends on what you like. Uh, not everybody's a pate fan right. and everything. Well, also uh, what you're drinking. There's certain things that are better with a, with a scotch flight than others. You took the words right out of my mouth. It, it, this is so funny because uh, the most, I think, the, you know, certainly one of the most, the most popular thing in Manzanita has, has been the mac and cheese. We have a really good mac and cheese. But I find mac and cheese to be a little heavy sometimes when you're doing like a bourbon, for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, and yet, it's wildly popular. Uh, so, yeah, we continue to stay busy. And our number one food item in Canada Beach has been uh, has been fish and chips. We use halibut um, uh, in our fish and chips, and that's been our number one. And you have a different kitchen there, so you're able to do fish and chips there, and not that's you don't right. have a fryer in, in Manzanita. So um, correct. Yeah. Well, good. So that all the more reason to try both locations because when people come out here, they're here for a few days. Uh, generally and uh, looking for nice places to go so um, I'm hoping other than that this beautiful beach and some of the trails that we have that people put McGregor's on their list of places they need to go that would be so nice please and if you're around uh, you know ask for me Chip McGregor or ask for Holly Holly McGregor we would we'd love to meet uh, and if anybody wants to reference the show we'd uh, you know we'd just we'd love to talk to you and everything chris thanks so much for having me on i really appreciate it. it's nice to meet and good to have this uh, conversation yeah i know it's great that we've had the opportunity uh, i really appreciate you're doing it on this holiday week taking the time and closing out our eighth year you know when we started doing podcasts we had to tell people what a podcast was and how to <laughs> i'm serious <laughs> And now, you know, everybody's got a podcast. So we're, we're wow. glad we're still around and we have our sponsors who um, are with us to help bring your stories out to other people. So um, thanks, Chip. And I look forward, we're doing a little thing at the end of January and I'm really looking forward to, to that. I've been doing some thinking about how to tweak that a little bit, but I'm gonna let you do most of the tweaking because you're, you're the pro. So I was thinking of popping out of a cake for you. I thought that you'd probably appreciate that. Yeah, okay. I, I guess I'm politically correct. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> hey, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. You too. And same to Holly. And uh, we will be in touch soon. And uh, All right. best, Thanks very best much. Uh, to Lynn, too, going into the New Year. Hope you have her back uh, soon. Thanks. I'll pass that along. All right. Thank you, Chip. We'll talk to you soon. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right